0: You're listening to Heatwave Radio's Classic Movies Live, the pre-recorded show where we talk about movies from last year. And today, we're talking. We're we're going to continue a uh, a thread we started last week. Uh, You know them, you love them. It's time for a second Adam Sandler movie. This time, we're doing uncut gems. This is a movie by Josh and Benny Safdie. Came out in 2019. It was apparently A24. That's the production company. Uh, apparently it was a 24s fours highest grossing movie of that year. Maybe ever. It's hard to say for sure, but, uh, yeah, this is out. This is actually out on Netflix in Canada. So if you are listening to this in Canada, there aren't, we actually avoided any real spoilers in this, mo- in this episode s- somehow. So you can listen to this and then decide if you want to see it, but like, just go watch it on Netflix. Uh, spoiler, I guess for the end of the episode, we both liked this quite a bit. Um, To some degree, and I'll let you figure out what that means as you listen to the rest. Uh, The music for this was composed by Daniel Lopatin, and you are about to hear his intro for the movie as our intro for the podcast episode. Here it is. You're listening to another episode of Heatwave Radio's Classic Movies Live, uh, where we discuss classic movies, um, but not live. I I'll get I'll, I I have the words down most of the time. Not today. Today we're talking about a classic movie from last year, and I say classic movie because I know it will become a classic. Uh, this is Uncut Gems by the Safdie Brothers, starring Adam Sandler, um, and. Dang, I mean it's been like 3 seconds we're into it already. Let's uh what is this movie about? Pierre, you want to tell us what this movie's about?
1: Sure. It's a film about uh well, starring Adam Sandler who is a uh I guess he was a like a high high-end uh jewelry realtor.
0: From I, from what I, I think I can realtor's tell. not the right word, but not he, a realtor. salesman. <laughs> salesman,
1: yeah. salesman, yeah. And he I guess he gets he gets possession of this uh this gem, I guess, uncut gem is is uh, what you might call it at the start of the movie, and um, essentially he the movie kind of revolves around this gem in a in a really weird way. It's kind of, it's actually more of a subplot, but the main plot is you basically have this this guy um, who is uh, kind of a loser in that he he's a gambling he has a gambling problem. Um, he owes like a ton of different people money. Um, he's having uh, marital problems. He's not—he's not really a great father at all. He doesn't have a relationship with his kids. Uh, what else? It, it's just, he's just—he's not, not—he's not doing very well. But he sees this this gem as kind of his uh, his way of finally becoming really, really rich. And he's hoping to uh, just kind of win the big time during this movie. And uh, craziness ensues, I guess. <laughs>
0: Yeah, most of the plot points, actually basically every plot point in this movie is a gamble, which is very appropriate considering it's about a gambling addict. Because like, the first thing he does is he gets this gem and uh, he's going to put it up for auction. And um, it's he's basically gambling, That that's a gamble because he pays $100,000 for the gem with the expectation that he's going to make well over a million dollars for it, or at least close to a million dollars. And then like, he gives the gem to Kevin Garnett, which is another gamble because he's literally giving it to someone who has no guarantee of giving it back. And he does that before the auction. Um, And then like, there's also just literal gambling. This is a movie about gambling basically, but like not in the traditional way. Like this isn't a casino or a casino movie or 21 or something like this is high stakes gambling with your life.
1: Yeah. And uh, it's, it's a very, because claustroph- it's very much like a character uh, study on, yeah. on on this guy. Um, you know, very, very little plots going on, um, but it's kind of, it's it's really weird in that he's just, I, I think it's very hard to sympathize with him. They choose a very, very, I, maybe polarizing is the best word, because I, I, I can see some people that might like the main character. Um, very polarizing protagonist that um, I think, like, if you were to look at it in a particular lens, you could see like he's down on his luck, but um, honestly, like I think he kind of deserves everything that's coming at him uh, in a way, just because like he, he doesn't seem to really care about anything other than the big win. Um, And he will, he will endure and suffer and kind of rat uh, and scramble around and kind of screw people over. Even at the risk of like him his own life and the, and those he loves in order to get that one big win. Uh, yeah,
0: it's um. I want to come back to this as well, but uh, I think what's kind of interesting is I think the way that I would describe Adam Sandler's character in this is I disagree with and actively dislike basically every decision he makes, and by the end, like I'm still kind of rooting for him. So on the one hand, like you're right that it's hard to it's, it's hard to like him, but I don't find it that hard to sympathize with him on some level. Like he does kind of deserve everything that's coming to him, but I, but he's still, he does that without being, without feeling like the bad guy of the movie, if that makes sense.
1: Um, yeah, I see what you mean. I, I personally, I, I had a really hard time liking him. I don't know if it was, um, well, okay, I'll say this, like Adam Sandler put out like an amazing performance in this movie. Um, I thought he really, I, cause like, you know, I think uh, it was last week we saw him in another dramatic role and that really did not work for me. Um, I, 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 saw Adam Sandler pretending to be a serious character, but this, this movie really sunk into the role, but I, I still found him really annoying. Like, I don't like his accent. Um, he, I still hear like the Adam Sandler accent. It's just like a lot more subtle now. Yeah. Um, yeah which like i think does its job because i i think the movie's trying to make you hate this guy i, I, I yeah. very very much feel like it's uh they're trying to make him as irredeemable as possible um which i think pays off in the way of uh in, in the gambling scenes i, I it, it's a cool it's a cool trick where you're you're still rooting for him to win and you're because you feel like it's it's kind of showing you how how crazy gambling is and that like, even though um, it's like a metaphor in that like, even though you can know like gambling never works out for anyone or it very rarely, rarely works out for anyone. And it's really not good for you. Um, a lot of people still do it. Right. And it's kind of like with this character, even though this movie gives you so many different reasons to think he's like to, for him to be like, to, to be uh not empathetic, Empathized by the audience, I guess is the best way to say it. Mm -hmm. You still want him to win in the end, in the big in the big gambles, which is very weird. I think,
0: I think like this movie pulls some interesting tricks in that. For one, like you want to you want him to win in those gambles, partially because you're invested in it. Like you know the gambles where like you don't exactly know who he's up against, I guess. But also, um, it. It does this weird trick where this is a movie about gambling and kind of how gambling has ruined this guy's life. And yet the only major direct gambles he makes in the movie, like where he's actually doing sports betting pay off. He wins both of those gambles. There's two really big ones and he actually wins both of them. He's right. So um, this movie does this weird trick where you know that his life is ruined by gambling but it also makes him seem really good at it even though
1: yeah. he yeah yeah uh and i think it's also like you know it's, it's also the way gambler thinks you know it's just like how could i lose in some sense mm-hmm. and the audience is almost kind of given that that theory of like or that that sensation of how could he lose because in our minds or what from what we've seen he's never lost right and i think also in his mind in a lot of these ways and a lot of these situations for him, there is no way he could lose on this bet, which is why he makes such insane bets because he truly does believe he's going to win these things.
0: Yeah, because um, he takes it way far. Like his last gamble, his last bet that he makes in the movie, he's betting on like individual actions of individual players, specifically of Kevin Garnett, like not super insane things, but kind of ridiculous in the in how many specific things he's thinking this player is going to do
1: yeah I'll, I'll, it's almost like he's trying to be a. it sounds really weird but like it's like he's he's fortune telling like it's not even like he believes he can make like luck out and make the right choice it's like he knows exactly what's going to happen and the way he thinks about it is like uh there's a scene where he's like talk, talk like when he talks to um, a basketball player uh, Kevin Garnett um, about like a bet he's making and he's like he's like how could they think this about like this team right mm-hmm. I, I think it was the Boston he's like how how could people believe this there's no way that they could like lose in this way or not get this exact amount of baskets um, and it's like he's taking it very personally and that's why he makes these bets they're they're not only is it for the money but it's very personal um, for him to be to him for him to be right and mm-hmm. to prove other people wrong. Uh, so he, he kind of treats it as like a, an underdog story and that ev- like the whole world does not think that he has what it takes to uh, know what happens in the game. <laughs> like,
0: and it, and it kind of feels like he's trying to influence the bets too. whenever like when um, when he's talking to Kevin Garnett, he's like not fully antagonizing him but he's like really provoking him trying to get him on his side like this is what the world thinks of us you are the underdog here too you've got to prove them wrong and you're the one that can do it
1: yeah and he drags him into it and everything
0: and then he makes a bunch of bets on kevin garnett specifically
1: yeah so um oh well, and then it also kind of ties into the I, I guess in a weird way it ties into the the gem or whatever because he believes that he has an influence on Kevin because this gem that he gives Kevin is very special mm-hmm. and it, it gives him almost like supernatural powers to be able to win which is again also how a, a gambler thinks for at least well, from what I've experienced because you know you, you kind of see it you see a pattern or you see a thing and you're like okay this is like, like it's not really a gamble because it's like you believe its it's in like God's hands you know and God is on your side
0: yeah it's interesting because at one point he literally says kevin like or he he says like he believes the gem has magic powers and he says it about kevin garnett um like like it's like he's kind of making fun of him but on the other hand while adam sandler maybe doesn't believe the gem has magic powers he does believe that it gives him magic influence over kevin garnett so you kind of get that you kind of get that uh two different facets of that way of thinking.
1: Yeah. It's kind of, it's pretty ironic uh, that he's thinking that way. Um, but yeah. So, uh, you know, very, very good psychological analysis of, uh, of gambling. Um, but then also they, they look at it like you said, like his whole life is like a gamble. Like he's looking at in, uh, in different ways in terms of, um, I think he, he takes a lot of gambles in his relationships. Um mm-hmm. And and he never wins those either. Like uh, there's that one point he he's basically like uh, uh, he's in a tough spot with his his lover, I guess, or his girlfriend. I don't even know how to describe it. And he he kind of um, confesses to his wife that, like, uh, I love you. Like, let's let's do this. Uh, I don't want to I don't want to break up anymore. Uh, Like it's uh, you're you're the one we're meant for each other kind of speech. And uh, Mm -hmm. which is like a big like, you know personal gamble and that, like, um, there wasn't really any foundation for him to believe his wife would take him back.
0: Well, uh, especially because, I guess for context, at this point, they have agreed to a divorce, but not only have they agreed to a divorce, he's pushed it back, he's, like, convinced her to push it back several times, is the implication.
1: Yeah, so, um, essentially, you know, him putting himself out there as, like, this big, uh, uh, dramatic Ga- kind of gamble for, you know, his love life and it obviously doesn't pay off because the thing is also like the same thing is like with other gambles is that he there's literally no context for why she would say yes because mm-hmm. he never really behaves in any way like a good husband in this movie at all. So uh it's just like why why would he ever think that that she mm-hmm. would accept it and, and it's basically because like he's just hoping for the best and to yeah. see what happens um so it's like with that it's he does it with the gem too and like this the what, putting it up for auction is a huge gamble um he does it many times with his lover i think just yeah you know it's a big big movie about that and uh it's honestly very it's like a very hard watch in that it, it's really tough to watch a you know a man who like it you could kind of like i, I you could see that he he's so close to having like a really good life, honestly, like, you know, yeah, like, it's,
0: well, I mean, I guess that's another comment on gambling. Like he's so close to winning every time and he never does.
1: Yeah. Even though like what he has in front of him is honestly like, um, pretty good. I, I guess like the, the movie kind of puts you in a weird phase in his life, but like, you know, like I think, I think his wife seemed like a pretty good person in my opinion. Um,
0: I'm sure she was, we only got the, Point like most of her interact most of her in this movie was interacting with him and they clearly hate each other because that's the point in their relationship they're in so you know but like she seemed probably fine otherwise
1: yeah exactly like i there were no signs that she was a terrible person and even so like you know I, they obviously loved each other on one point enough to have i think they had three kids right yes so and, and they aren't, like, really old or anything. So, you know, I don't think it was that long ago that they, they truly had, like, at least a decent relationship, I'm guessing. Mm-hmm. Um, so, and then also, you know, I think he, he seemed like he has, like, a, a decent family around him. into um, like, extended family. Uh, he, he, he owns, you know, like, a pretty good, like... He has a pretty good income in that he owns this very high-end uh, jewelry shop.
0: Yeah, if he didn't like put all of his funds back into bets he would actually probably make a really good income
1: yeah exactly he's he's selling
0: he's selling extremely expensive jewelry to rich people
1: i was very i was very confused as to why at the at the movie especially at the start like why he is why he's like you know struggling because like you know they they show many times that like uh, you know, he has like actually like a really nice house and like he has a good car and um, he like he uh, he owns the diamond shop. You know, you're just kind of wondering how could this guy be in this position instead of the uh, I think there's like, the you know, the stereotypical gambler of like, uh, you know, he's really poor and he's just trying to make his big break because he's got like nothing in his life. Um, this guy had a lot going for him. It's just, he, uh, yeah, he refused. I- he refused to make, let it like uh he refused to believe it, I guess.
0: Like, there's movies and stories where you see someone's life fall apart, like, one big tragedy after the next. This guy's life is falling apart extremely slowly from the top. Like, he starts at at the absolute... Almost at the top, and, like, by the end, he's also still very close to the top, but, like, he's a little lower. But it's been nothing but, like, small tragedies in between.
1: Yeah, and it, it consistently gets worse. Mm-hmm. So... Um yeah, it's a it's a pretty pretty crushing experience. Um it, And it, it, Oh, I was going to say are.
0: speaking of speaking of crushing experiences, I just wanted to talk about the way this movie is shot. Um like the cinematography, the staging, just the way it's directed. This movie is I think you already said it at the beginning. This movie is extremely claustrophobic. Like it had me the first time I watched it and I guess the second time too. This like had me at the edge of my seat pretty much for the entire movie just because there's just the way that everything is put together, it's shot very, primarily very close. Like there's a lot visually going on in every scene. Uh, more, oh, more than that, there's a lot uh, audially going on in every scene. Like everyone is talking at the same time. Um, no one's talking about the same thing. It's always like five different conversations happening. Uh, we're always in the middle of three or four plots or subplots and um, Adam Sandler is always, like, very dynamic. So there's, well, in addition to every other person on screen, so there's always, like, a million things happening at once, and if ever there's a moment where it, like, where you get to catch your breath, immediately something goes wrong and sends everything into disarray, into chaos again.
1: Yeah, it's really cool. It, the sound mixing was really well done. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a couple, I, I heard the the guy that did the, the audio and sound is... Uh, Pretty, he's, he's worked on um, other movies that that deal with that style of uh, overlapping dialogue to create that effect uh, to uh, all, eh, a lot so mm-hmm. um, that was really good there, there's a couple very memorable scenes where like where that happens and uh, yeah it really it, it really does uh, add to the because like I, I think the movie is slowly showing how his various gambles are slowly closing in on him right um Mm. which is like that's why the claustrophobic effect is really helps um you uh go into the climax of the movie um yeah
0: the last scene literally has him locked in a room he's the one who locked himself there he's actually in a position of control in that case but like he's locked in a room and he can't escape without essentially dying if he tries to
1: yeah exactly and so it's like they they take it to very literal circumstances at the end there
0: Mm
1: -hmm. um yeah so uh great great decisions on that part it it really helps the mood of the movie What, what what did you think of the um other actors by the way the other
0: actors oh just real quick i just wanted to mention on that point one more time the person who i the person who did the score i don't know if this was also the guy who did the sound mixing um He, I thought that his score, so his score is primarily like ambient. It's like ambient electronic music. And like out of context, it would probably be like super chill, but in context with everything else going on and the way that it's turned up just enough so that it is also kind of an overlapping thing, it adds to that feeling of, it, it adds to that tenseness
1: so much. It's
0: really unnerving despite being like, Pretty chill electro music.
1: Yeah, I, I personally I, I had a really hard time though, no, because honestly the movie is like just very, um, I guess, absorbing. So like it's it's hard to pinpoint the fine details like that. I
0: would say that like to sum up this word and to sum up this movie in two words, those two words would be sensory overload, literally all the time.
1: Yeah, exactly. And it's not like a it's not the same as like when you watch like a like a Transformers movie, right? Like it's done in a way that's uh not and i guess it was supposed to be annoying i I don't know how i would exactly describe it but it i guess it it's really important for the plot and its service it's made to service the plot rather than just um be be cool to watch or annoying like it's there for a very specific reason and i think that's why it worked even though like uh, i i think i like personally i was very exhausted like mentally after watching this movie
0: And I kind of think that's the point.
1: Yeah. So, Uh, yeah.
0: Yeah. So the other actors in this, I, I mostly liked all of these performances. Um, I would say that like, even, even the weakest link in here, I thought still did good in the role she was cast. I really thought that this was a really well cast movie, if nothing else. Um, Lakeith Stanfield was incredible as, uh, as as adam sandler's partner i mean i've seen him in really good roles so i'm not surprised that he was great but like he was he was also a really unlikable character just for different reasons
1: he was i mean that's every character though i'm not gonna lie Uh, yeah
0: like even adam sandler's wife was played by idina menzel who should have been the most likable character in the movie and even she was really unlikable again it's because we caught them at a terrible point in their relationship but, like, I didn't love her either, even though her performance was very good. I've never seen her – I don't think I've personally ever seen her in a live-action movie, so I was pleasantly surprised to see her there. But she is, like, a trained Broadway actress, so I'm not surprised, I guess.
1: Yeah, I, I actually didn't know it was, it was uh, her until I, I looked it up later. I've never seen her. I think I've seen her. She performed at the Oscars once, but, you know, it was very yeah. different <laughs> – very different uh, look and feel so well, i
0: think she performed at the oscars this year among other times
1: oh because yeah, she, did she did into the unknown she did yeah i i don't even remember that well um, i guess i didn't like that song but
0: uh, yeah fair um <laughs> kevin garnett was cool uh i got nothing bad to say about him i don't think he was like necessarily outstanding but especially for a basket for a for a sports star in a movie like that can go either really badly or i mean i've seen it go really badly and i've seen it go really well and this was definitely on the really well side i would say
1: yeah i i i honestly i found him really menacing at, at, especially at the start when he's kind of like this bigger than life presence
0: mm-hmm. um
1: and you can definitely feel that uh uh adam sandler does like not maybe not fear him but like he he knows i guess cuz this this movie is also like a an interesting reflection on a kind of a a class of in society that not many people really understand or like or know like i, I didn't know like jewelry shops like this existed mm-hmm. um, so uh y- you know and, and they make that they make that clear that this is a different uh class of, like you know they, like you have a the weekend was in this movie um a cup in a couple scenes and, uh, and, yeah, it, but it, it, and it wasn't even like a big, like, you know, like, a he wasn't pulling off a concert. He was literally just like this guy in a club singing. Uh, I, mean, I guess this was, before it was he,
0: technically he a concert, big. but like, yeah.
1: So, um, stuff like that, like kind of hints towards where, where this takes place in society. Um, but yeah, Kevin mm-hmm. Garnett kind of gave off this really larger than life vibe. Um, you could tell like it, it was really interesting to see him fast, like, the scenes where he's talking about the, the gem, which is, like, the central point of the movie, are actually, like, I think he puts on, like, this really cool sense of just outright greed in that, like, because um, of, of his status, it's, like, he's not, he doesn't know many things that he can't have his hands on. Um, and when Adam Sandler kind of is playing hard to get with the gem, he... He, he he puts off this like very like like how could you vibe like do you know who i am mm-hmm. um which is cool like i think it to do that it, it brings on like a, a certain sense of uh, self-awareness to the role yeah um, maybe maybe he's feeding off of his own experiences i don't know but like that was very much on purpose like he wasn't wasn't just doing it uh because like that's who he is from what i can tell um mm-hmm. not very much uh very much better than michael jordan yeah i would i would agree
0: (laughs) at least at at the very least this is a great first performance from kevin garnett i don't know if he'll continue acting but i hope he does
1: yeah i hope to see him in more stuff he was cool so um
0: see the 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 closest thing this movie has to a villain to villains are eric bogosian who plays his brother-in-law arno and uh keith williams richards who plays arno's like right-hand man. Um I really like both of these people. I would say that Keith Williams Richards is probably my second favorite performance in this movie. Uh he's the he, he's the guy who's constantly like trying to intimidate Adam Sandler to give him the hundred thousand dollars he owes, or however much it is. And Arno is his brother-in-law, whom he owes the money. Um I think Arno comes across like Arno mostly comes across as a really intimidating presence but interestingly only when he's like off screen when he's actually on screen he's a huge pushover especially at the end well maybe not a huge pushover like when he's finally when he finally has to confront adam sandler at the end he really biffs it like he just really feels like a huge pushover like um at the end he just he's all he almost comes around to rooting for adam sandler at the end which is you know not something that should be in his character by what his character's description is.
1: He's well, essentially kind of, a mob boss. I kind of got like, weren't they family? Or they they were family, they and I I, yeah. I kind of understood that. I like I could feel like I think that's the only reason uh, Adam Sandler's character lasted that long is because they were family.
0: Yeah, um, and I think that that was his big character flaw. Is like he's supposed to be this hard mob boss, but he's a big softie when it comes to Adam Sandler for understandable reasons, but like, he's not allowed to be that in his position or he shouldn't be allowed to.
1: Yeah, exactly. Um, but it, it, I guess it was a nice way to balance out the, the, the other guy. I can't, yeah. I, don't, I don't know what the, what the other guy's name
0: Apparently, was, but... apparently his character's name was Phil. So I'm going to call him Phil, but the actor's yeah. name was Keith Williams Richards. And yeah. he is just all hard all the time. Like he is ready to go. And he is constantly the only reason he hasn't killed Adam Sandler at the very be, by the very beginning of the movie is because Arno has probably specifically told him not to.
1: Yeah, um, I so yeah, I, I thought they were all right. I didn't love them. I thought maybe they could have been played a bit better, but that might have been again on purpose. Uh, I do I think wasn't that, like, supposed to like them and they were they weren't like because they weren't like cool mob bosses, you know, like they weren't these guys from Gotham with like uh like like a a crew a crew around them and like uh like they're going they're doing some really like interesting criminal stuff these are just kind of guys that like they look kind of a little old a little too old to be doing this uh they they don't seem that menacing at all um they don't really have like a big gang or whatever or like they're they're not sipping martinis and stuff like they just seem like very normal people that that just want their money back um even though, like, yeah, they're not that menacing, so...
0: Yeah, he's dealing with collectors, not, like, the cool mafia.
1: Yeah, which, I yeah, that might have been on purpose, because, like, I don't... Again, this movie was not trying to make you want to think anyone was cool.
0: Yeah, um, and also, I'm not sure if I liked him because he gave a really good perform. I think he did give a good performance, but I think that me liking him as much as I did also comes down to the fact that this was just a really well-cast movie. He's never been, to my to my knowledge, he hasn't really been in any other movies before. I don't think this was his debut, but he's like, he's an extra or something. Like he's very minor roles most of the time, and like he was just perfect for this role of being a hard ass, essentially.
1: Yeah, I I, I guess he was it was all right. I, I'm not gonna lie, Adam Sandler really did steal the scenes. Absolutely, and like very much all of the all of the scenes, I guess. I can't think I of anyone that maybe the, other than KG other than Kevin Garnett actually.
0: When Kevin Garnett was on screen like Adam Sandler I still thought stole the scenes in those like stole the show in those scenes, but Kevin Garnett is like a very imposing presence. Like he was
1: he was kind yeah. of he was
0: at least on par with Adam Sandler at the beginning of most of those scenes.
1: For sure. It might have been also due to the fact that he's like two two feet taller than uh, Adam Sandler. Oh,
0: yeah, you see him standing next to each other, like, with Kevin Garnett.
1: You can't even, like, see his head. Yeah. Uh, When they're beside each other, I think. Or fully, at least. So, Mm -hmm. um, a little, maybe a little cheating there. It's not fair. So, yeah. But, yeah, I'd say, like, overall, like, it was a pretty good movie. I wouldn't say it was, like, anything special personally. I didn't didn't fall in love with it. I, I think you... I think you might feel differently. I, I um, really
0: loved this movie.
1: Yeah. Uh. Well, like, what would you say was like, like the top like three things? I guess that like makes this like movie like truly stand out.
0: Uh. The directing, Adam Sandler's performance, and the writing, probably in that order.
1: Okay. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. I guess the writing was pretty pretty solid. I, there was no like parts of the movie where I was like, "This is stupid" or whatever. So I did. Yeah. I did find it I, again. Like this is probably on purpose, but I did find it annoying how gullible Adam Sandler was at times. Like giving giving Kevin Garnett the the stone um, was just kind of stupid. I I didn't mm-hmm. really understand why he would do something like that, and I found that frustrating. Um, but I, that might have been because I, he got the ring in trade and then he got to put that up as collateral for a bet. That might have been it. I'm not sure. To be
0: honest, I think the reason was because Kevin Garnett was standing next to him and was a very imposing dude. <laughs> he basically pressured <laughs> oh yeah, that him into it, too. as did Lakeith Stanfield.
1: Um, yeah, I guess. So that was it. That, like that whole dynamic there was so weird. I don't know. Um, but it did yeah. set up the stage very well. It like, was weird. I, it
0: kind of came across as if as if every single character in this movie hated every single other character.
1: Yeah, except for, I guess, the the weekend the lover, Julia, Julia, the oh, lover. Right. Yeah. Uh, maybe The weekend. I don't know. He didn't have much to do. <laughs> it was just kind of funny to see him there randomly. It was interesting. Like,
0: it was funny that he was actually integral to the plot. He wasn't like a very big role, but he has an important role in the movie.
1: Yeah uh there's a scene where adam sandler like like what gets in a fight with him almost it is just kind of yeah. hilarious to watch how um, many
0: how many of the weekends can say that they had a fight with adam sandler one all of them exactly. they can all say yeah. that now
1: <laughs> it's just so um it's it, they do this ce- the the celebrity roles very well honestly like they they don't over dramatize it um I, I guess kevin garnett because he's more integral to the plot like it makes more sense. Um, but like The weekend, I think, could have come off very easily as a, ooh, like we have a random celebrity in our movie. Oh, look at this. Um, so it sounds but-
0: to me like he was originally, his role was originally supposed to be much bigger. Um, it doesn't really matter that it wasn't. I think it, I guess it probably could have been, but it's fine that it wasn't. But the reason I say that is because him and the composer of this movie, uh, Daniel Lopatin, actually made a bunch of music together for this movie, some of which may have ended up on The weekend's new album. So, oh, like, cool. they actually, like, he was very involved with this movie, or he was more involved with this movie than it seems like he, than it seems like actually came across.
1: Yeah. Oh, interesting. Okay. Um, yeah, I, I, that's that's actually kind of surprising, because he, he was more of a plot device than than anything. Uh.
0: But I think the reason the celebrity cameos or cameos, but the celebrity roles in this are done so well is the fact that they specifically chose the celebrities they wanted and they went out of their way to make sure that they were more than cameos. Like the weekend is in it. Let's build a plot point around the weekend that actually makes sense. And then have that happen. Kevin Garnett is in it. He's gonna be one of the main characters, and we're gonna build him into the plot, and have every facet of Kevin Garnett's life at that time be important to this movie somehow.
1: Yeah, that that might be why I, they uh, they put more effort. Also, there was never like a scene where I was like, "Oh, it's the weekend," you know. It was more like like you you barely even like see his face. Honestly, he's just kind of around, but like, there's no scene. Um, I don't know if you've seen a pitch perfect three or pitch yeah. perfect two uh where uh dj khaled's in it and he's like oh hey i'm dj khaled uh and it's like this huge like celebrity moment right um right in terms of like ooh, we have a celebrity like a music celebrity here look at this whereas like the weekend like they never go like like he doesn't have this random like hey the weekend how are you moment like Literally, like he just kind of gets into a fight with them, and you barely see like the weekend's face.
0: Um, um, what's kind of funny is you say that there is actually one single celebrity cameo that's kind of like that in this movie, and that's John Amos. I don't know if you know who that is, but there's a point where um, Adam Sandler is taking his son to the bathroom uh, in his apartment, and he says, "Go knock on my neighbor's door." You know, this is funny. He played the he played the dad in um, Good Times. And his son has no idea who, what Good Times is. Yeah. But when the guy opens the door, if you know what Good Times is, it is actually the dude who played the dad from Good Times.
1: (laughs) Oh, cool. I I didn't really, like, I thought he was just lying, honestly.
0: Yeah, I I thought so, too, because I don't know what Good Times is. I was never alive in 1977 to watch it. Oh, no, that's 1980s, but still.
1: Yeah, so I guess it was, like, a very odd cameo um, but and a very subtle reference so that. that was, yeah. was kind of nice um but it, it also like I, th- I think the cameo stuff yeah it, it helps the plot and that like it, it's helping build this world this uh that, that he's living in
0: yeah because it's specifically so, a world where high profile celebrities buy his jewelry so they have high profile celebrities be useful to the plot so it just makes sense
1: yeah so um, uh, stuff like that is cool
0: yeah. So like, do you have very much more to say about this movie?
1: Not really. Yeah. Again, I didn't like, love it. It was a solid movie and it, it did its thing well, but I think just in terms of, I, the, in terms of like the plot, I, I guess first of all, it's like not my type of movie. Um, I usually, I'd I like to watch a movie where I, I, I can relate to or I like a character. Um, I think, this movie yeah does not have that at all the, the only thing i can relate to adam sandler is in terms of i guess the gambling like because everyone knows like what it feels like to gamble or most people do yeah um that that rush and so you can kind of understand why he's doing this but either way i it kind of for me was starting to stretch the realms of relatability at all um because like again it's a character study right but I I just I wish there was more ways I could either relate to him or care about him mm-hmm. um, because there wasn't really much else to focus on uh, the the fo- the focus was very much on his character so I find it hard for me to enjoy a movie where like the the main like 90% of the focus of the movie is just like a character that's inherently dislikable and doesn't really show any 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 uh, uh, redeemable values at all? I, I couldn't tell you one. So okay. I, I yeah. found that um, for me personally, I don't I don't I think that's a little uh, maybe not lazy. Like I I get why they didn't do that, but just it doesn't work for me as much as I would have liked.
0: Yeah, that makes sense.
1: Yeah, but um, um but yeah, yeah, still like very well directed. And
0: so I guess to close that out, what would you give this movie?
1: <laughs> I'd say like uh i'd say like a 7.5 maybe an 8
0: damn okay uh,
1: i i still like enjoyed it i i and i think objectively it's a very well made movie right so okay in terms of that like i definitely um and I'm, i I definitely like would be interested to see what the sadfi brothers do next
0: yeah i actually it. kind of want to go back and watch some of their other stuff because i'm I got to say, so some of my favorite movies, well, one of my favorite movies is Requiem for a Dream, which is a movie that makes me feel frightened and exhausted. And so I yeah. really like movies that like are really upsetting and like make me want to stop doing anything after I've watched <laughs> them. And that was this movie. And so this is very much my type of movie, I think. Because like, I really like those hard thrill... Like, this is a very intense thriller. It's not... A horror movie where you just feel grossed out at the end but it's like there's so much happening that like you said by the end you just feel exhausted so this is very much my type of movie and i really liked it this was one of my top movies of last year easily um and i'm gonna say that like if i were to rate it i would probably give it like a eight and a half or a nine out of ten for sure
1: damn pretty good uh In terms of, you should definitely, I was, I was surprised to see, uh, they, they actually directed a Robert Pattinson movie.
0: Yeah, it was the last, I actually, I had originally wanted to go see that one in theaters, I just never got the time, like, it was just one of those things where I wanted to go to the theater one day, and that was there, but then I ended up not going to the theater.
1: Oh, so close. Um, Yeah,
0: Yeah, I I might, I
1: might actually watch that one, um, because, you know, I, I think it's kind of cool that they do this twice, where they kind of take this actor that's not really seen for dramatic roles, and they... They put they put them in that position,
0: yeah, make, although I am very impressed with the roles that Robert Pattinson's been getting recently. like he's definitely I think that as of this year for sure, he has gotten out of the shadow of Twilight and Harry Potter
1: yeah for sure um he's 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 on a streak and i, I I'd love to see if if uh, they that was part of his upcoming because I still haven't really seen any movies from him before this year or last year, I guess so.
0: I mean maybe i saw cosmopolis which is pretty disturbing and i guess yeah. i would recommend it but it's it's weird like it's it's a movie about sex hangups i think so like it's mm. it's got a lot of uh, it's got a lot of weird stuff in it it's just it takes place all in the back of one car pretty much it's very strange
1: oh interesting so there's
0: my random movie recommend recommendation <laughs> of the day cosmopolis go watch that and feel upset
1: okay maybe i won't <laughs> but uh yeah um i guess if, if that's it uh Uncut gems. I would recommend.
0: <laughs> yes, definitely. And Very this much. is our this is our 40th episode. I think we're gonna try and do something special for our 50th. I don't know what that is yet, but that's uh, that's something I think I'm gonna try and remember to do.
1: All right. Well, yeah. Thanks for listening, guys, and we'll see you for the 41st episode.
0: Hell yeah.